and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. It is a very good morning to Matilda's fans, one and all. They have defeated England 2-0. What a win. What a result. How good's winning? I absolutely love to see it. It was goals to Sam Kerr and Charlie Grant, which ended the Lionesses' 30-game undefeated streak, which is an absolutely bananas stat. It was a really fun game if you just like winning, but it was also a really interesting game tactically. So there is plenty to talk about and we absolutely cannot wait to get stuck into all of it. Before we begin though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We have the fullest house possible for this pod. So you have me Marissa Lodanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, Angela Christian Wilkes, and live from England, she was at the game covering it for ESPN, Sophie Lawson. So first of all, Sophie, welcome. Congratulations on your Far Post pod debut. We're so stoked to have you. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) She hasn't got stage fright or anything. Nice to be here. I promise she was talking off air, guys. I'm I'm just shell shocked from from the result. Um, but yeah, no, lovely to to be here and um to be far less caffeinated than the rest of you. <clears throat> I've got Sam. plenty of that for all of us. Don't worry. <laughs> then Sam. All right. So friendos, like like I said, there is a lot to talk about. I think we need to take the Matilda's angle first of all. So the question I think we should start off with is: Was this the best performance? by the Matildas in the Tony Gustafson era? I think yes. I'm sorry to jump in straight away, but we were debating this like in our group chats, not fair, because we had that incredible performance in Melbourne, Melbourne, where we ran riot over Sweden, like just hammered them. Um, I think contextually, this Mm. is better. I think you look at so many factors, the England winning streak, that poor Sophie will have to see plastered on every... um, Every uh, newspaper probably with some sort of like breakup-esque shattered love heart um, <laughs> as the English media definitely doesn't overreact to their first loss in 460 years. Um, <laughs> you look at the Matildas as well coming off that, that midweek loss to Scotland. Um, we talk, When we talked about it, we said it's not, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, in the scheme of things, it wasn't a huge setback, but it was still a speed bump. Yep. Sam Kerr was back, but still no Caitlin Ford, no Steph Catley. They were 100% the underdogs, and we know Australians thrive on this. Hostile crowd, I think, is a big difference as well. Like, um, i got to admit, I was chuckling a little bit when I heard Sweet Caroline ring out when England were 1-0 down. Um, <laughs> didn't try to get it 2-0. No, it, to, be, to be completely serious, I thought this was the the best performance. I thought it was the most defensively resolute we've seen. Mackenzie Arnold, we'll go into depth, but Mackenzie Arnold commanded that penalty box. Like, she's done at club football for a long time. She looks so assured, so confident. There's a bit of shithousery in there as well, which I love. Sensational. Claire Hunt just goes from strength to strength. Um, Didn't really have to talk about Claire polking on because folks just did polks things. But um, obviously, Ellie Carpenter, first full 90 since that that injury, and um, Charlie Grant just really gives some headaches Unreal. with the way she played on, on the left in Steph Catley's absence. Um, clean sheet, that back forward sensational. I, you look at the midfield and I think Kyra Cooney-Cross is going to be one of the players to watch oh, this World Cup. She's like considering, ever. I feel like considering she, um, uh, people have often pigeoned her in the conversation about why doesn't Alex Chidiak talk more, which I, th- I think she's shut up a few 
down as that midfield too. It just, it, it just felt pretty much complete across the board, to be honest. Like there was, they gave very little away defensively. Um, they soaked up some early pressure. And then in the, the second half, they really put them to the sword. They should have scored a third. I think it was when my Ellie Carpenter tried to tee up Sam Kerr um, and probably could have gone herself. But I thought it was... It was a well-deserved win. Like I, I know the a lot of the talk coming out of England will be sloppy and blah 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 from England, but you, a lot of that comes about by the pressure put on by the other team, and it was the Matildas forcing a lot of that stuff. They were making mm. England look sloppy. They were forcing players. Maybe the Sam Kerr goal was a bit offside. We can talk about that. But you saw players like Leah Williamson make uncharacteristic errors because of the pressure. Like it's, it's a. I think it's a real credit to the way those players rallied and. Um, the way that Tony Gustafson set up, he did exactly what he promised he would do. Go go at England, get in their faces from the get-go. And we saw that commitment all the way through. I, I, for me, it's, it's the best performance of this year. I think Sweden was more of a shock in the sense mm. that – no, sorry. It was a shock in the sense that it was like, oh, my God, they've just blitzed them attacking-wise. But the grit and the way they saw this out and didn't ship a late goal or anything like that, I, for me, the most impressive. Yeah. I agree, totally. Um, I think context is so, so important to to assess this game because you're right, Harry, like coming into this, they were so massively the underdog. And over the course of this game, almost like the, the balance of play, England had so much of the ball. I don't remember a Matildas game where Australia only had 29% of the possession over the course of 90 minutes, which is what happened here. They only had five shots and two on target and two of them went in. Whereas England were dominant in every single category and yet they came out the losers. And to do that with a team that largely almost all of them went to the Euros, uh, all of them are currently playing <clears throat> week in, week out, some of the best clubs in the whole world. Uh, they've just come off the back of 30 games winning in a, in a row. They just came off the back of that win over Brazil. And Sophie will hopefully be able to talk to her a little bit more about, I guess, the problems beneath the surface maybe that were sort of bubbling up in this game or that the Matildas were able to exploit. But, yeah, I, I think that this was not just the most convincing performance. I think it was the most disciplined performance. It was a performance where from the first minute to the last minute, every single player knew what they had to do, and they did it. They didn't switch off. They didn't lose concentration. There are a couple of moments where you know, one player was bettered than, uh, by another, like a Chloe Kelly versus a, a Charlie Grant, for example. But, like, that's going to happen. You've got these one-on-one individual little battles all over the field and sometimes one player wins out and one player doesn't. But as a team, as a unit, the way that they were able to, like, basically just suffocate England every time they came into their their defensive third every time that they were able to find the transition channels outwards, every time that Kyra Cooney cross touched the ball, it went the right way. It was just, it was like everything about that, that performance from the Matildas was like unbelievably good. I can't think of a weakness. I can't think of a weak link, a weak player. Every single person did exactly what they needed to do. And they were able to answer every single question that England effectively asked as well. It was, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Like there were, Obviously, sort of big questions that we still need to be asking. For example, like what happens if Sam Kerr is not available, which we saw against Scotland. But I think in this moment, this is proof that the Matildas, even though they might not have the best players in the world, they can be the best team in the world. And when it comes to a World Cup, sometimes that's all you need to be. 
Agree, Sam. <laughs> just, yeah. I, I can't get over that Kara Cooney Cross performance. I just, you know, just look at the way she's Unreal. going. And I don't know. I know when people do those things like players that could break out at the World Cup, she's playing in Sweden. And if you're not a WSL team, like eyeing her off in a big way, you'd be mad. Totally. So I think, I know Sophie's pretty big on Kara. Um, might be a good time to bring her in. But Sophie, what would you make of it? Like you, as you said, you came in said to us straight away off the bat unexpected you're at the ground there what did what did you make of it all um Courtney Cross is so fucking good um <laughs> yeah also very glad that Soph got the first swear of the episode I'm glad that it's not one of us it's it's Sophie who's to blame now Mickey can go and yeah tackle Sophie instead of us <clears throat> he's been on your case he's been calling you he's been sending you <laughs> letters you're like okay find someone else um, I, I just I saw it was I think you know Tony Tony G is really big on on those ninety minute f- performances as well, and that was that was ninety minutes, especially right sort of stoppage time. Australia was uh, you know it were sort of camped out a little bit as England were really trying to get something, and they Australia just refused mm. uh, to to let Macca give up that that clean sheet. I thought it was you know brilliant. Um, really determined stuff and, and and as harrod said you know the crowd was was a little bit other than sweet caroline um which needs to get in the bin um <laughs> you know it was it was building up all, all the way through the euros that, that the crowd you know you can't you know women's crowds in england are generally quite warm or they're more encouraging now we're getting more of the booze coming in and obviously we had that a lot of that at wembley when there was so many people booing um so it's a smaller ground so yeah less of it but it was quite obvious you had all that booing going that negativity towards um uh, matildas and they just they wrote they wrote it out and yeah i just think they they got so much right and, and with so many injuries as well it, it really really just was a very very good performance i have a question for you sophie um mm-hmm. regarding I guess I haven't been paying the closest closest attention to this England side in the past couple of months. But in terms of them playing like Russo and Toon, they had such they had such different roles in like the Euros. So I'm interested in kind of your perspective because they we kind of did the opposite in this game for Australia. We did not have super subs unless you count the importance of having someone like Courtney Vine to come on for Yallop, which I just want to add, I'm really sad that that happened. I really wanted to see Yallop play out the game. Yeah. I was so excited to see her start. But, yeah, so I'm kind of curious as to if that has affected the the dynamic of how this squad can perform if you don't, or if there are different players who are able to come on and do that role of what Toon and, and Russo did at the Euros and kind of scare oppositions. Well, elsewhere on the ESPN website, Um what I wrote after the uh, the Brazil game was actually sort of talking about the change and yada yada and who's playing, who's starting. So since Ellen White retired, Russo has become the starter. Since Kirby's injury, Toon has become the starter. And yeah, it's just it's not they're not doing as much. They they don't yeah you know, they don't have the impact from the first whistle as they would when they're coming off the bench. But it's what Vegan's sticking with. So now we're seeing Daly coming off, recently seeing Daly coming off the bench in attack, whereas instead of starting in defense, which is a gripe for another day. But we're trying to, you know, you're seeing a bit of this. We saw Daly come off the bench and go into the 10 earlier, which was a bit weird for everyone, but kind of highlights how well Australia were doing 
to to disrupt uh, England in in those forward areas. But yeah, it hasn't quite been as powerful from England or quite impactful with Russo starting. And I think what we know as well is is when Wiegmann kind of locks into the starting eleven she likes, she is locked into a starting eleven she likes. Um, and, and yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the conversation around uh, that attack has been recently is Russo was so, so good off the bench at the Euros. We're not quite seeing the same with her starting. What does mm. that mean? Where do we go from here? But can we talk about the Tillies again? Yes. <laughs> sorry, I, I, sorry, I was just going on and on there. Right? No, 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 you weren't at all. I'm jo- I'm being very facetious. So I'm, I'm curious as to how much of a... We were talking off, off air about... Um, Georgia Stanway said in the mix zone, um, like, you know, it was all the classic messages, you know, maybe this is a loss we had to have. We created lots of chances, da 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 da, da. You know, the classic, no one's panicking, obviously, stuff. Uh, how big or maybe even important a loss was this for England? Because it felt like Matilda's really, they took they took them, took it up to them, they put them to the sword, they exposed them. Um, I know it's n- not a normal day where you'd have Leah Williamson, like, struggle for conceding two goals but mm. what what did you what did the Matildas get so right and how big is this for England in terms of maybe a, a reset or a, a little hurdle um I think England <clears throat> are missing Millie Bright um and they're missing Alex Greenwood in place of Millie Bright for sure uh, mm. and so you had Lee Williamson next to Esme Morgan and that didn't really work I, I it looked like the communication was also a little bit poor and then you've just got Sam Kerr running running at you and what would you do in that situation? Um panic. Assist her apparently. <laughs> uh, but yeah, make it, sure it, of it. Yeah. Just gentle header, just easing her. No, um just tap 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 it in. Yeah. Uh say so at least it wasn't an own goal. Never mind. Um I think it's a cliche, isn't it? Um that you need to, you know, oh well you learn so much from a loss, don't you? Um you know, these players don't want to lose. Uh, we had Alessio Russo in the mix zone afterwards saying, you know, I don't want to lose a game to learn a lesson. I'd rather learn with a win. Um, but it's it's a cliche, but it, it brings them back down. It, You know, it, it, it's a good little, not necessarily a reset, but yeah, it's, it's an important one for England to lose a game and to be reminded that it's not all, you know, good times never felt so good and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that Australia... They they were diligent in, in what they did as well, and they, they they stuck it out. Whereas the teams that England have faced have, have been a little bit less resolute, a little bit more too respectful of England. Whereas Australia just they knew what they were doing, and there was no fear, and they just went straight to it. I think it's so interesting that we like like we have these big performances against really big teams in these hostile environments. Like, am I going to have to be at the World Cup booing just to get them to do? <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how much of this performance as well was um, based on sort of like drawing the vibes from the Tokyo Olympics as well because we did see the Matildas pretty much beat England in Tokyo. I mean, it was it was Team GB, but three of their players team were GB. non-English. Yeah, exactly. Everyone just did A the Team money GB team. without just Fitzlock. Yeah, exactly right. So like, and that was one of those games. But that, that all at the same time, that was such a contrasting game to this because that was a game that was so open. It was so back and forth. There was a lot of like just sort of chaos. 
Um, it was it was end to end. There were goals for both sides, and and it it just felt like almost like the Matildas of old in some ways, where it's like, well, we're just going to outscore you. We know that you're going to score goals against us because we're not very good defensively, but we're just going to score more. And but that they seemed didn't. to work. But that, but and this is and this is what's so different about <laughs> this performance, right? It's like this this is a different kind of Matildas. This is a Matildas team who have still captured that never say die spirit but now they've sort of fortified it in terms of their structure as well they're actually able to play really good system-based solid football Mm. and have a game plan that's quite different to the way that they are used to winning games like this never say die but with defense but exactly, they wouldn't have expected to be having less than thirty percent of the ball, probably. But they were comfortable doing that. I haven't seen a Matildas team this comfortable with such little possession, maybe ever. And the fact that they did it and were able to do it for the entire ninety minutes, to do it in that four-four-two formation, to do it with those two really tight banks of defensive players, it, like. Every yeah, like it was it was comprehensive. It was a, a very holistic, um, very mature, very like educated performance from this team. I'm like I'm thrilled for them because some of these players have been through uh, like the ringer when it comes to what are the Matildas and how do they play mm. that whole conversation. Some of them have been here for over ten years. Claire Polkman was probably the best example of like the roller coaster ride of the Matildas over the decades. And, and to come out now with, with this here, with these players against this opponent in this moment, it's like, it, I just feel like the planets are aligning, y'all. Like, I'm just, I'm so stoked. Sam's very close to having the lid off. It's just sort of bubbling. She's yeah. left She's left the stove unattended and the, <laughs> it's bubbling up. It's bubbling up. Look at uh, dangerous areas. Um, yeah, I, I like the word mature. Sam, I think we've seen that the Matildas can play on the counter. I mean, that was a very important um, part of, say, 2017 under Alan Stadich when they went on that Mm. run. Sam Kerr really exploded into form. You know, it was those really dynamic goals on the counter. Um, And then we've seen a few different transitional styles in play since then. We saw under Milicic it was very possession-focused. And then we've seen in Tony there's been that combination of the two. I I don't want to go full on into this, the trap of it. Australian football is on the counter and it's transitional and that is bad mm. because I don't think it's bad. I think the way that the Matildas played today works. on the counter was electrifying. Yeah. Like England looked terrified when Courtney Vine who made and Charlie Grant as well made some crucial interceptions. And I reckon um Chloe Kelly, Samina, you're saying was one of the might have been off air, was one of the better attackers for England, but mm. Gee, she won't want to watch the tape of Charlie Grant uh, being able to bomb all the way forward um, no. for that goal. And how good was how good was the celebration, by the way, from Charlie Grant? Just, I felt like you could hear her from all the way over yeah. here. Uh, in Adelaide, they could hear her voice just ringing through. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a sign of maturity. We've seen all these bits that we knew they could do across different eras, and it, it's getting put together. For me, the, the defensive solidity was a big thing. Um, yeah. And that helps that you know you've got those threats. Normally when you've got Steph Catley, I, I, I don't think we can underestimate and I hope a lot of the English press don't underestimate just how big a loss Steph Catley was when they're talking about Millie Bright and Alex Greenwood because Catley's been close to the form player. You, I know Ford's yeah. had patches, Kerr's had patches, but consistently the form player for the Matildas, obviously missing Ford as well. 
Um, and they're just smashed by injuries. Like there was all the talk about Sam Kerr coming in. We know she came off with the knock. It was really the sour note on all this to Mickey Yellop. You you worry mm. if that's another serious ankle injury. She was in the moon boot apparently, um, according to Channel 10. Um, and Courtney Vaughn looked pretty chirpy when she was in the mix zone after, but there'll be a bit of a concern, I imagine, over what looked like a bit of a calf tweak. We'll see what comes out of that. But anyway, it was um, when we were talking about the the defence, I feel like the, that the Matuas have such threats going forward um, in – in Carpenter and Grant in particular is great, but Claire Hunt has shown she can put in a really good ball. We saw her with a couple mm. of shots last week, but I think the real difference at the moment, um, and I know there's the Charlie Grant rise, is having Claire Hunt and having Mackenzie Arnold be so commanding because we'd seen moments from Tegan Michael where we thought, especially we look at that um, that Olympics game against Great Britain where you go, is she the number one? But I think the performances Mackenzie Arnold has put in across the Tournament of Nations and across these two friendlies, albeit with a loss. Lo- uh, last game, have been the most commanding we've seen yeah. from Matilda's goalkeeper in a Absolutely. long, long time. I think it's an absolute credit to to Mackenzie Arnold because there were plenty of people writing her off. Um, when, I remember when we were having pods talking about, um, you know, Casey Dumont pushing for Matilda's, Jada Wyman pushing for Matilda's, and I'm glad I didn't say it. I don't think we said it on the pod, but you look on Twitter and there would have been people calling for Mackenzie Arnold's omission. Mm. Um, and she was clearly one of the three goalkeepers for Australia but it was weird when she was playing at club level she was so commanding and she has such great distribution and it wasn't happening whenever she came into the national team it was like just such a roller coaster for her and I know she said it before the tournament of nations I remember reading that she sort of just wanted to take really take it let's go by the scruff of the neck really wanted to take her opportunity <laughs> and make this her own um in all seriousness and she's done that she looks yeah. so commanding out there <laughs> that defense must have felt like so sure-footed and knowing exactly where they needed to be because she just was everywhere. Um, she knows how – she's a mature goalkeeper, so she knows how to soak up a bit of time. I know she copped a yellow for it. Um, she's the strong. was she's awesome. Strong. Oh, when she just was keeping over the ball, I was like, geez, Maka, just make sure you get this one right. As it's like holding up in the rain, uh, someone bearing down on her. Um, but she was sensational. And adding to that is um, Claire Hunt has just – barely put a foot wrong. I know she had that little deflection off the outside of her boot with a clearance in the rain that just went past the outside of the goal. I think it hit the side netting. But she just looks so sure-footed as well. It would definitely help her that you've got, um, you know, you've got Ellie Carpenter there, but you've got Mackenzie R behind you having Claire Polking on as your your central defensive partner. But she has just looked so sure-footed, so confident on the ball. She doesn't mind having the ball and playing and trying to get involved. Mm. And, yeah, just... Nothing really seems to phase her. Um, and I think that's what's been so exciting. It feels predictable at centre-back at the moment. And that's what you kind of need, um, especially when you've been watching the Tillies and you've seen uh, it's been in and out in terms of personnel, but we've seen clangers, we've seen difficult moments. Um, I think the midfield for- formation, or the four-four-two, as you say, Sam, really has helped in that regard. Kari Cooney-Cross can just run and run and run and run, and she's so quick. Mm. Mm. Um, which really helps. We talked, I think, last part about this. Um, I thought uh, Yallop obviously playing on that wing was was good before she got injured. I thought she added that energy, added that burst. Vine obviously is that more electrifying player, but I could understand what Tony was doing with Yallop early on in terms of setting the tone with the press, setting the tone with work rate. And we know we talked last part about the run she can make, but it just felt like everything was really built around getting this defence right. And, yeah, I know this is based counter-attacking football, right? Getting the defence right and then attacking, springing the attack, 
springing those dangerous players. And yeah, it, for me, it felt like this all started from the back and that's why it was just so, so impressive. And I know there was the press at the front and having Sam Kerr and Hayley Razzo being the ones leading the press is just another level, obviously, compared to what we saw last game. But yeah, geez. It was, um, yeah, it was so pleasing for me, the way it was defended. I think that's the really important thing now. We've seen that the Matildas can defend for 90 minutes where I think you can make a pretty safe argument that up until this point in the Tony era, we had not seen that. So there's a real sense of comfort now that we've seen that that is something that is possible for this Matildas team. Um, and similarly, we, you know, we were talking about is this the best performance and we mentioned that Sweden game. We know that we can do things offensively. We can attack and really put a whole bunch of goals past a team. So now we've seen that we can do both sides of the spectrum. The Tillies have the range, if you will. That's a really pleasant thought and a really pleasant thing to kind of consider heading into the World Cup, which leads me to my next question. We were having a little bit of a chat about it before we started. Uh, I said to Sam, people are going to look at this win and start saying, the Tillies, they're going to win the World Cup. And then Sophie entered the chat and she's like, but you are going to win the World Cup. So let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's get it on let's the record. Talk- on the record. On the record. <laughs> I wanted to talk about, I suppose, from a more Australian perspective, expectation management in the wake of what is an undeniably good performance and a really, really important, exciting win. But how do we assess this in the grand scheme of things? How do we assess this looking forward to the World Cup? How should people digest this win basically so I would like the very biased perspective from us but then I would also love the really objective perspective from Sophie so whoever would like to go first may go first but how do we digest this win in the context of the impending World Cup 99 days to go it's huge isn't it like um pending what happens with injuries uh, I'd like I think we'd all like to see a relatively clean bill of health Sam Kerr mentioned that knee Tamiki out the ankle and Courtney find the cuff. It, it's huge. Like in terms of what it does for morale, massive. Knowing that you can go and beat a team like England who've been on such a hot streak on their home turf is is massive. It, it gives you validation for everything you've been working towards. That midfield two of Cooney, Cross and Gorry. Um, as I mentioned before, a lot of people querying whether it was Cooney, Cross that should be in there. I think after this friendly series in particular, it simmered down. Like, this midfield two works. These players love playing together. They get each other. They have an understanding. They cover for each other. And it gives that explosiveness that Australia needs. Sam Kerr, um, we know she's pretty much the best presser in the world, I think. Um, And the way, you know, that Australia pressed is what led to those goals. I think a lot of it just gives you affirmation that you're doing the right things. If maybe a year ago you had, oh, the Asian Cup, you go, oh, is this the right way to do things? They hadn't settled. They were trying 4-3-3, three, three, so trying all sorts of things, back back 3-5 formations. I think if the Tournament of Nations went, yeah, this is the way we want to play, a win like that solidifies that it's a world beater, right? Like England, and much like the Sweden game in Melbourne, once they got going, didn't really have any answers for it. So the, the key for the Matildas is if they score early, geez, it's really hard for a team to come at them with the weapons, especially once you've got Ford in there. If you've got to start to really play against the Matildas and with the defence looking that solid, 
if the Matildas get 1-0 up on you, it's going to be really, really hard. And if they're trailing, they're going to keep on coming, as we saw in that Scotland game where it, I know they were down on personnel, but they did keep creating chances. Um, but for mine, if Australia get 1-0 up in a game or 2-0 up, it's really, really difficult to peg them back without risking conceding another one because they are so dangerous on the counter. They have such explosiveness. And they didn't even need to, say, turn to a, a game changer in an Alex Chidiak to they didn't need to turn to one because the 11 that were out there, but obviously the injuries and the required changes, were doing it all so well. Um, and I didn't really pump her up as much as I normally would, but, geez, geez, Sam Kerr was influential. Like, And when she's on, she's on, right? Like, she's scary for opposition defences when she sees the ball in that dangerous position. She told Channel 10 that in these conditions, you just go, well, you've got to assume that, someone is going to make a mistake or something's not going to come off just right. And that's when I have to be ready to pounce. And that's what she did with the Leah Williamson moment. And she had the vision to pick out Charlie Grant, who was making that huge run for the, for the header. It's there's mm. that understanding happening. It's, it's really exciting. It's, it's big. I think it's big, Sam. What do you reckon? No, I agree. And I want to, I want to reiterate what Marissa said in terms of they've got the range darling. And I think that that's what this window has really confirmed is that the Matildas are able to do everything now. We've seen that they're able to attack um, outright. We saw that in that win against Sweden. And we've seen against in this win against England that they're also able to defend. And they're able to find ways to transition between those two things, depending on the opposition, depending on the personnel, depending on the style of the system that they're playing. And that's something that the Matildas have always struggled with. They've always kind of been a one-note team. It's always been particularly trying to find a way to, to be that deep, lying, defensive, blocked side that does transition. That has always sort of had weaknesses to it, and sometimes the transitions haven't really paid off. But now they've just got this array of, of variations that they can really convincingly lean on like they I feel so confident about this Matilda's team now because I have seen all of these different versions of them come off against all of these different kinds of opponents you know it's yeah so I'm I'm like not to be massively overhyping but these past like probably five to six months have made me so much more confident that the Matildas can go further than what I thought that they were going to like I'm still, I'm still a believer that regardless of how far they go, the Matildas have already left a legacy, a legacy for this World Cup. They've already made an impact. They've already done what they have needed to do. But to know that they now have the tools and they now have the experience and they've got the players to actually be able to match that with performances on the field and to potentially do what England did at the Euros, where they came in. Yeah, like they were expected to go pretty far by people at home, but there was always a chance that they wouldn't. They never really pegged themselves on their results. They always sort of drove themselves in terms of what, how can we inspire the nation and how can we use the nation around us to inspire us to perform well? I feel like that symbiosis is something that is really starting to coalesce with this Matilda's team. They're really believing in themselves and we're really starting to believe in them as well. So I'm just, I'm fucking so hyped for this World Cup. It's going to be so amazing. Before we go to Angela, can I just grab a, a little quote from Sam Kerr, a uh, reporter in Chadban in London, just pinched it before. She said, hopefully waking up in Australia this morning, there's a few happy Aussies. Um, it does a lot the game back home. England are such a footballing nation that when people wake up and see the Matildas have beaten them, it's big news. Mm. So I think that sums it up just how big 
this is leading into a home world cup, leading into um, everything that's to come, um, the hype, the lid coming off, all of it, sold out crowds. It's, yeah, it's a big moment. Angela? Um, I have trust issues, so I'm not going to be saying <laughs> we're winning the World Cup. Um, I think also it was like the Scotland game, right? That was, we discussed it on the pod. My thing with that was like the issues that we were seeing in the Scotland game, they're all easily addressed. And I'm just curious about what the Matildas game plan is when we're playing an opponent like Scotland moving forward. And I'm also stressed about like so much of the, this performance that we saw against England was um, dependent on Sam Kerr doing Sam Kerr things. So that part of our like squad and our depth is still, there's still some question marks there. And so it's, and I suppose as well with the going back to how England performed at the Euros, a lot of people have, will point to the fact that they had such a lucky run in terms of injuries and not having them, basically. So I do, and I, I agree. I think the Matildas have the range, but they also have the range for bed shitting still, I think. So I'm just, I'm still tentative. I'm very happy with the result. I think it's like absolutely what we need right now. Um, and I don't, I, I think we're not pushing against the tide in terms of like being like the Matildas are good like I think that statement rings true now and you can say it without having to like qualify yourself every single time but um yeah in terms of winning the World Cup I think we'll go far I don't know if we'll win the World Cup but I think I think it's still going to be like a really really exciting World Cup um and I'm very positive with what we're seeing at the moment also I just wanted to ask guys where's the Alvin Kennedy is she okay? Just another well, injury. It's, yeah, her body's just noping out of football, it seems. Oh. When will she return from the war? The, the Im- on, a serious, <laughs> on a serious note, it sounds like um, I saw a friend of the pod, Joey Lynch, had a chat with Chloe Legazzo, who's obviously also been in that um, no man's land injury-wise. It sounds like players like Legazzo, Kennedy will try and make a run at it for that last camp, Um, Mm. which when we talk about depth is not necessarily a bad thing, having just seen exactly what Charlie Grant can do at right back when needed, at left back when required. Um, I I think it's a good thing if we can talk about players trying to make a a late run at things. Um, Because as we know, you just look at this friendly series, sometimes you need just about all of them. So, Marissa, you did get to see Claire Cubed as well. I know, are you going to be demanding a a picture from the social media team? Um, Three glares. I will be calling in favours to the good people at the Matilda's social media because I want my Claire cubed. I also have two things before we, like, go to Sophie on her takes because I just wanted to share them because they made me laugh. Obviously, so we talked about Charlie Grant's goal and how good the reaction was. The Matilda's posted it on Instagram and Kyra Cooney-Cross has left a comment on that post saying, I was legit crying on the field. Weren't we all, (laughs) Kyra Cooney-Cross? Same, bestie, same! Just, just wait till Kyra scores up. her first one. She just gets closer oh, and closer without scoring God. one. They'll, they'll lose their collective tiny minds. Absolutely. So Absolutely will we. crying. And as, 
I suppose, a good lead-in then to Sophie's take on what this actually means for the Tillys World Cup. Uh, Sam Kerr said post-game, it's obviously a big performance. Beating England doesn't win us anything tonight, though. I wouldn't be here if it did. I'd be out celebrating. So, one, good perspective from Kerr. Two, also just classic Kerr, because we all know that she absolutely would be. But, Sophie, please, talk to us as the non-Australian here. How are you feeling? What does that say? Tilly's World Champs <gasps> Tilly's World Champs 23! <gasps> oh, oh Sophie's calling post it. the Sophie's screenshot. <laughs> um, I want to apologise because I've acquired a cat. Um, well, whilst the other, whilst the Sheilas were talking, uh, and uh, she's quite near the microphone and purring. So I do apologise if any of that comes across. That's, that's Sheilas. That's not me. Um, I, I, I've gone this far without saying good day, so, you know. You've got, to, you've got to give me some leeway. Um, yeah, I, I, salient points, really. Um, yeah, if you look at England's run to the Euros, just incredibly lucky, uh, not just in not getting injuries, but in sort of like Germany losing key players as well. So it all kind of went in their favour. So that's you need that in a tournament, I think. Uh, Australia would need that in a tournament. But if you look at the group you've got, I think you've got room to use that as a springboard then you get into the knockouts and that's yeah that's where you like to shit the bed um because that's that's yeah you i i understand the heartbreak because I've, I've seen australia at tournaments and there's always the promise but um yeah it never really works out even like yeah. at the olympics you should not have let the u.s take a bronze medal that that's offensive yeah. um <laughs> so it's true Still burning about Canada winning gold and us coming away with nothing. <laughs> uh, Sweden losing that final hurts me to this day. Um, and then the way they shat the bed at the Euros. Ugh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just think you've got to get your momentum right as well. Um, and, you know, you're going to be calm and, you know, Tony's going to set you up and, and to, to be whatever. But I think... You're saying, you know, what if you don't have a Sam Kerr? I think if you don't, even if you don't have Sam Kerr, you're more likely to, you'll have a Caitlin Ford, um, which will help. Because, um, yeah. And hopefully uh, Holly McNamara, if nothing more. But, yeah. So, it, it, you know, you can't kind of get um, carried away. Uh, but you can be positive, I guess. That's, I mean, I'm English, so I can't really do that about any team. Um <laughs> I'm a Norwich fan. I can't really do that. Um, no, I've been hurt. I've been hurt so often, um, like by Sweden at the Olympics. But yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I think, as you said, it's about sort of building that legacy and and just how much do you really seem to be sort of setting up and doing in Australia for that legacy, regardless of what happens on the pitch. I think is um, uh, sick. Basically, I think it's you know you're doing the right stuff. And then it's just about having that luck when it comes to the football, as well as getting all the tactics right and not having any injuries. And <laughs> but yeah, no, like the Clares at centre back is is a massive win for you immediately because like 2019 was horrific. I need to know, Sophie, before we let you go, who excites you the most from this Matilda's team? Is it a Cooney Cross? Is it a McNamara? Who who is it that you watch? Because you watched this team in 2019 as well. What's got you thinking? Maybe they're different. Um, you know, I just, I'd, I'd like your fullback so much. I'm, obviously, um, 
obviously the goal-scoring fullbacks right now. But no, just when uh, Carpenter and Catley are both fully fit and bo- both bombing forward, um, like you know they can do the job in defence. But they're so like like the two like the best fullbacks in the world, and you've got one on each side, you bastards. Um, yeah, I just I just just you. <laughs> Yeah, you've just got one of the best attacking defences and now they can defend as well, which is massive. But yeah, you've also got a really likeable team, frankly. Um, so yeah. If it oh, we're cool. People who make us. Sorry. <laughs> People like us. You're 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 non-offensive, you know. Like some, you know. There's a lot of teams that people be like, oh, they're not them, you know. Oh, <clears throat> the French, um, but <laughs> this is this just to clarify. If anyone's in- wondering who you were imitating, um, yeah, no, it's just yeah. Like so, there are loads of teams that you can be a bit mm about, but I think generally there's 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 no really a real reason for people to dislike the Matildas or, or to kind of would you stop? Um, sorry, that's the cat. Um, like yeah, like people aren't going to be rooting against you. You're going to be sort of the neutral favorite as well, which is means you get all the good vibes. But then Angela has to go into the stands and boo because you need the negativity as well. So well, Angela can go and hang out with that little subsection of European fans that really don't like Sam Kerr because she made a comment about European football like six years ago. Um, yes, I remember that comment. They can, they can all boo together. Yeah, no, Sam Kerr can definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was not a nice comment for for, for Samantha to make. Um, but yeah, we all make mistakes. We we live and we learn and we grow. Uh, but people remember. People oh, don't yeah, no. forget. Yeah, no, it's because that's in my head right now. Yeah, it's it's hard to forget. But, other than other than that, you're quite likable. Can I add one more comment before we go? Just um, on injuries, I think what really dampened it when Tony sort of said as much was the win wouldn't have been worth it if they copped uh, any more injuries. I think he said enough is enough about four times to Channel 10. Um, one, how gutsy this win was considering all the outs. Um, and I know that, Van Egmond and McNamara, um, who it sounds like it's both precautionary reasons, they're looking after the players, um, uh, would have been like ben- likely bench options, right? But still, you're losing some experience, and you're losing an exciting attacker. We've talked about Alana Kennedy, Chloe Legazzo, Tamiki Yell. It looks like she's maybe having another setback. Steph, Cat- Steph Catley wasn't there. Caitlin Ford wasn't there. Geez, they just need to get some of these players right. Um, and I think that's probably the the tempering thing on all of this. Um is if they can, as Sophie said, if they can get these players fit and firing, as you said, England had the same starting 11 like all through the Euros. I'm not saying that's the answer for Australia, but if they can get something close to having that level of consistency, then you feel like they can go a long way. So, yeah, hopefully it feels like as big a landmark as this is. And I don't think anyone should downplay it. It's fantastic beating England over there. Hopefully we can get um, some more players back on the park. So come France in July... The lid can just like yeah, baby, bounce off and maybe like pop off, hit, hit yes. the kitchen wall or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's banned from the kitchen. I am once again just putting out into the universe that if I need to visit a witch doctor to pay whatever debt the Matildas Collective Health 
has forgotten to pay. I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm able. I'll do it. If I can't, John Saffron probably will. Just um, <laughs> I can't. I can't handle another injury crisis leading into a World Cup. But we're not going to get into that. We're going to wrap this up. So first and foremost, thank you to Sophie for jumping on, for staying up with us, and for being bombarded by a lot of very chirpy Australians, considering how early we were up this morning but thank you we hope you enjoyed your pod debut and we hopefully will chat to you again in the very near future with more world cup stuff coming up your face right now. welcome back again you are very much welcome back again if you don't want to see us again that's a different story but we can talk about that off air um But no, thank you, Sophie. Thank you for listening. As always, you can find all of our Matildas and all of our women's football stuff over on ESPN.com.au. There's a few hundred day to go features that are floating around on the internet. Um, If you want to listen to us, we are always at Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, leave a review and subscribe. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at The Far Post Pod on all social media. We will be talking to you very shortly about A-League women's finals because the woe-so never stops. But until next time, go to and see you.